You guys are, you guys are very weird. <laughs> uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. I, I would like to extend a special welcome to all of our visitors. Um, if you're here visiting, would you please stand so we can welcome you? Good. Uh, we, we really are very, very grateful that you're here with us um, and very excited that we have an opportunity to worship our Lord together. Uh, I've been asked to just announce that if you are visiting directly after chapel, there's going to be a panel in here with President Halverson, so uh, asking you to stick around for that. Uh, so this morning... Um, my goal is actually very simple. Um, my prayer is that at the end of chapel, you will know and love Jesus a little bit more and that you will want to spend a little bit more time with him. Um, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that is fairly well known, um, but it's one that uh, I think and believe will accomplish uh, just that. It's from Matthew chapter 17. It's the transfiguration of Jesus and it reads like this. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us in it. Father, I pray that you uh, would be with us, that you would speak through me this morning, and that you would give us tender hearts uh, to hear what you have to speak to us. We give you all praise and thanks in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. All right, so we're going to get a little multimedia here. I don't usually do this, but um, I, think, I think you might appreciate it. So um, it, it uh, dawned on me just recently um, when I was in high school, my, my favorite band in high school was the Smiths. And yeah, well, they're, they're worth a little bit of laud. Um, but you have to remember music at that time was a fairly different thing. Uh, the song that most of you may know, probably their most popular song, is a song called How Soon Is Now. And that song was originally the B-side of a 12-inch single that came out. William, it was really nothing. So in 1984, when a 12-inch single would come out, you'd get the single, you'd have the A-side and the B-side. How Soon Is Now was the B-side. And they didn't put lyrics in 12-inch singles. So I'd listen to the record on my record player, and I learned all of the words, or so I thought. Um, just like within the last year, I've realized that for 37 plus years, I've been singing the song very wrong. <laughs> now, I mean, Mor Morrissey's the, the lyricist, so when he says it being, I'm the sun and the air, you might think sun, S-U-N and A-I-R, but it's a quote from Middlemarch. 
you probably all know that. It's Sun, S-O-N and H-E-I-R, Sun and Air. But that's not it. This was the piece that, that got me. So there's a section in the song, and we're going to play it here in a second. But I'm going to tell you what I thought it was for 37 years, and then I'll tell you what it actually is. But in my defense, maybe you'll hear, how, you'll, you'll hear it like I heard it. Okay, so it goes like this. There's a club if you'd like to go. It took me tumbling a really our tree. Are those real words? No, they're not. <laughs> Do they have any meaning? No, they don't. <laughs> did I think Morrissey was just being super cool? Yes, I did. <laughs> Will you play that? Right? So you go and you stand on your own and you leave on your own and you go home and you cry and you want to die. He was a little angsty. Um, the actual lyrics, which I learned recently, are this. Uh, there's a club if you'd like to go. You could find somebody who really loves you. So you go and you stand on your own and you leave on your own and you go home and you cry and you want to die. Like, well, that makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> But it does illustrate a point. We're going to come back to this song at the end uh, after we look at the Transfiguration as well. But it's one thing to miss uh, a Smith song. It's a whole other thing to miss who God is. To be close to him and surrounded by him and his things, but to not actually know him. And we do not want to miss who God is is, and that is literally the discussion point when we come into our text. In Matthew chapter 16, setting the context for the transfiguration, um, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he asks them a question. He says, who are the people saying that I am? And they say, well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Uh, some people are saying you're Elijah, the forerunner. Some are saying Jeremiah because of the way that you're preaching about the doom of Israel. Some people just say you're one of the prophets, and it kind of betrays this idea that in the Israelite mind at the time, they expected the Messiah to come, but they didn't know exactly what was to come beforehand. Number of different ideas. And then Jesus hits them, and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, we recognize that you're actually the Messiah. You're the anointed and chosen one who's going to come and free God's people. And once he says that, Jesus tells him, the Father is actually the one that's revealed that to you. And then he begins to tell them exactly what it means that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says to them, I must go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be raised. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus had alluded to his death, but it is the first time he's been very specific and very direct. No more veils. He's now discussing it openly with the disciples. And then he tells them one more thing. He says, if you're going to come after me, you too are going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So that sets the context for the transfiguration. And the transfiguration begins with Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, and leads them up onto a mountain by themselves. And in one sense, it's kind of benign, right? They go up onto a mountain, and uh, Mark and Luke tell us they go up to pray. So they go up on a mountain. Um, they have privacy together, but, but mountains are 
awesome in scripture because amazing things happen in the way that God reveals himself on mountains. It happened at Sinai, it happened at Horeb. You begin to look and you watch what happens on mountains and it's fantastic. So we might have a tiny little expectant heart and sure enough, scripture says that Jesus was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Imagine this, they go up on top of the mountain and they go up to pray. And as they're up there praying, Peter, James, John, and Jesus, Jesus all of a sudden changes. He's transfigured before them. His face shines like the sun. His clothes become white like light. And Peter, James, and John are literally seeing the glory of the pre-incarnate Son of God there before them. And you have to imagine what they would have been thinking. Everything we hoped is true. It's even better than we hoped. Justifying their hope, justifying their love, justifying that they're following him. But scripture says that behold, there appeared not just glorified Jesus, but Moses and Elijah talking with him. Now it's interesting. If you look at that in in commentaries, a lot of commentaries will will make the point, well, What we're dealing with here, we have uh, Moses and Elijah. They summarize the law and the prophets and get really technical, but, but it's super, super beautiful, right? Um, there are three essential conversations here that I'd like to look at taking place, three sort of different venues. Um, and they have kind of different purposes, right? So Moses and Elijah show up, and think about this from Mo- Moses and Elijah's standpoint. Uh, Moses, who has seen the glory of God at Sinai, Elijah, who's seen the glory of God at Horeb, but now they're here talking to the Son of God. They're seeing the Shekinah glory that's taken on flesh, and they're actually talking with him. And then you have Jesus, right? Moses and Elijah are there to talk to him. And Luke actually tells us about the nature of the conversation. Luke tells us what they're actually talking about. And Luke says, they spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So they're talking about his death. And I've always wondered, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus and they're seeing him radiate in glory, but they're talking about the fact that he's going to be going to the cross. They're talking about his death. And I have to wonder if Moses and Elijah are actually encouraging Jesus about what's going to happen. Remember, they were two men who had deep and abiding faith in the Father and who experienced really odd deaths. Um, Moses, when he died, it just says that he died and God buried him and no one ever knew where his grave was. Elijah, Elijah and Elisha are together and and the the flaming chariot comes down and the fire, the horses of fire and it separates the two and Elijah in a whirlwind to heaven. They've experienced incredibly unique deaths and I have to wonder, are they there talking to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God and encouraging him for what's about to come? Then you have Peter and James and John and the story that they're inhabiting. And come on, are they not witness to the coolest conversation in all of history? Really? Jesus and Moses and Elijah together talking and they get to witness it. 
But a question, and I think this is a good first question, is um, how did they know that it was Moses and Elijah? Right? They don't know what Moses and Elijah look like. I'm quite confident that Moses did not have like, you know, stone tablet tattooed on his arm and, and Elijah like a big sleeve of being carried up in a whirlwind. Likely didn't happen. Um, so how did they know? Well, they heard the conversation and they heard what they were talking about. They're talking about Jesus dying and maybe, maybe Jesus actually spoke to them by name. Moses, Elijah. Maybe they gathered from the conversation and how Moses talked about his own death, how Elijah talked about his own death. We don't, we don't know for sure, but we know for a fact that they do know that it's Moses and Elijah because Peter says it in just a minute. I'll make three tents for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. The idea and the picture of that kind of slowly appearing and them realizing what's taken place is truly fantastic. Um, but then we also have to wonder and imagine what they were thinking as they witnessed it. Because there's a deeply stark contrast between what Jesus has, had, has told them was going to happen. I must go to Jerusalem. And in that, hear, hear that willing submission of son to father. I must go to Jerusalem and I must suffer many things. And that at some point, chew on that, what that means, right? What does he mean, suffer many things? Oh, he suffered many different things as the perfect, sinless son of God. Tornado? Tornado. Warning or... So if you think about the contrast there of what's taking place, Jesus has told them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. And now they're seeing Jesus in glory, in radiance. And you can imagine how very easy, how very easy it would be to forget the going to Jerusalem to suffer and die part. And I have to think that they were thinking without consciously thinking, the messianic age has come. The time is here now. Jesus, we're seeing Jesus in glory. Moses and Elijah are here. And scripture tells us, Luke, Luke tells us that um, Peter, uh, as they're about to leave, Peter sort of, sort of freaked out and he responds and he says, Lord, it's good we're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents, three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah because everything is now different. We've seen your glory, and now we know that if we stand with you, nothing can stand against us. The conclusion would have to be the messianic age has come, and now we're gonna walk down this mountain together and nothing will stop us. As he's speaking, God interrupts. And that's beautiful, as Peter's talking, God interrupts him. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. The Shekinah glory of God comes over them and a voice from the cloud. The father says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
Now, that is a mingling of Psalm 2 and Isaiah 41. When Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? You are, the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, yes. But then the father speaks over him and he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Psalm 2, Isaiah 41. He is my son, but he is also sufferer. As my son, he must suffer. You've seen his glory and you will see his suffering. Listen to him. Listen to what he said. Listen to what he and Moses and Elijah had just said. And listen to what he will say and you will understand. Do not miss who he is. And when the disciples hear this, they fall on their faces and were terrified. Of course they fell down terrified. The father speaks and they fall down. But then, and I think the most poignant piece of this, scripture says that Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. The radiant sun, the Messiah, the creator and sustainer of the world, Jesus comes and touches them with his hand of flesh because creator and sustainer is also rabbi and friend and fellow man. And then he tells them, rise, don't be afraid. And scripture says that they opened their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's practical and real. They didn't see Moses and Elijah anymore. But they opened their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus. We open the pages of God's word we open this one short story that you all probably are very familiar with. But we open it and we see Jesus. And the Holy Spirit reveals him to us. He is son and he is sufferer. He is glorious and he's tender. He's radiating in his pre-incarnate glory and he touches his friends with his human fingertips that have fingerprints. He's creator and sustainer of all things, and he's their friend. He is soon to be crucified and risen, soon to be dead and then alive, and we are blown away at the awesomeness of our Savior. And it makes the final piece, we'll swing back to the intro, makes the final piece of the context that we talked about kind of come into focus. Jesus says, you're right. I am the Christ. I am the son of the living God. The father has revealed that to you. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny self and take up your cross. You're going to have to be willing to lay your life down for me. That is a beautiful and a complex and a freeing thing that we work out over the course of our lives. But we have to see Jesus clearly we have to know him well. We have to grow in relationship with him. And that happens when we open God's living word. When we encounter and when we engage Jesus in the pages of Holy Scripture. It's when we are present with our friend so we can actually get to know him better in word and in prayer. Now, I want you to hear this. Hold on just one second, Stephen. When you hear this sound, you will hear this sound in the future. It's back to that song. 
When you hear this, I want you to think of something. Will you hit it, Stephen? Come on, that's a great intro to a song. And you will hear that in compilations. You'll hear it in Grady's, great, 80s like greatest hit lists. And if you're listening to this mess, you'll definitely hear it. Um, but what I'd like you to do is, in the future, when you hear that, I want you to remember something. And I want you to be reminded that you can be very close to something and not really know it. 37 years, I've listened to that song thousands of times. And I did not know the words. Do not fall into that trap with your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go to a Christian college, you can listen to Christian music, you can know good theology and still not have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And I will tell you this, if you are not growing in your knowledge and deepening in your relationship with Jesus, he will eventually become a caricature. He'll become the equivalent of a celebrity to you. Someone that you know a lot about, but that you don't actually know. But when you open the words of scripture and see him more clearly than Moses and Elijah saw him on the mountain, know him better than Peter and James and John knew him. Encounter the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Then we fall to our knees in repentance and we follow because he is king and Lord and savior, radiant, tender, gracious, merciful, kind, and he calls us his children. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are awesome and mighty, powerful, holy. And I thank you, Lord, for um, your uh, word that is living and beautiful and glorious and that you reveal yourself to us in its pages. Thank you, Lord, that we can know Jesus. Please, Lord, protect us that we might not fall into traps of being around him without knowing him. Lord, I pray that you would give us a hunger that is insatiable and unquenchable to be in your word, to be in prayer with you, Father, Son, and Spirit, Jesus, actually seated at your right hand, bringing our prayers to you. Lord, will you draw us close to you? Will you draw us near to you? Lord, will you reveal yourself to us that we might love you, that we might follow you faithfully and obediently? We give you all praise and thanks and honor in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.